0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So, Kathy. Yes, Tobin. The other day,
1: I decided to go on a little walk. Did you now?
0: Gonna go bug people at the office. Can you show me around your desk a little bit? What do you have here?
2: Sure, well there's the garbage from my afternoon snack. There's some nice plants in the window. There's the garbage from my lunch and my dirty dishes.
1: These are two llamas that my colleague brought me from her vacation in Peru. Photos of friends and my wife is up there.
2: Oh, well that's my wife, Becky, and our two kids, uh, Sasha and Laszlo.
3: Do you like the picture of my boyfriend? Where's the picture? There is none. (laughs) <laughs> so what are we looking at here? It's, is it a particularly gay desk to you? I don't think so. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what it does either, but wasn't that what you were checking out?
1: Tobin, were you literally asking people to show you how queer their desk is?
0: No, no, I promise there's a point. Stick with me. How do you think about being out in the workplace, and has that changed for you over time?
3: Oh, absolutely it's changed. Um, when I came here to WNYC, I was very out at that point and made a conscious decision to remain that. I was not that way. Um, when I worked back at corporate banks, it was selectively being out, where I felt safer who I trusted.
2: My first job was in a small town, a really small newspaper and it was very conservative and i was very alone so it's probably like one of the only times in my life i've really been in the closet
1: i've been in someone's conference room with another employee they were both older than me and they were both sort of making fun of bisexuality and you know they weren't really taking it as a serious thing and so that was kind of my signal to just like not talk about it
3: I was initially professionally gay, you will relate to that, you are professionally gay now. <laughs> um, I am professionally gay. <laughs> that's actually how I started my reporting career. My whole career I've been very explicit about being both openly gay and openly black, which is a thing you can be.
4: Because nobody else, like,
3: think of trying to make it through a day as intimately as we work and not do something to acknowledge your sexuality. That's work. I challenge anybody listening to do that, to pull it off.
1: From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy.
4: With your host Tobin Lowe and Kathy Toon.
0: So, work. Let's talk about it.
1: Tobin, you know we're technically working right now, don't
0: you? (laughs) Yeah, I do know that. What I mean is, we spend so much time, so much of our lives at work.
1: Yeah, I spend more time in the studio than in my apartment.
0: But you know what? We're lucky. I mean, like, you and I, we can be ourselves here. But for a lot of people, that isn't the case. Being queer at work can be scary because, you know, we want to be accepted for who we are, wherever we are.
1: And that doesn't
0: always
4: happen.
1: Quite literally, at this moment in this country, the rights that we do have, are under attack.
4: The Justice Department says flatly that federal civil rights law does not ban discrimination against gays and lesbians.
1: That is a problem.
0: So right now, there are cases winding their way through the courts arguing the opposite here. And on the state level, we do have workplace protections in 22 states, like right here in New York. Also places like California, Colorado, Iowa, Minnesota.
1: But in the other 28 states, nothing. Zero protections. We can get married, that's awesome, thank you, Supreme Court. But if your boss isn't down with you being married, or even just being gay in the first place, you could be out of a job.
0: It's bonkers. And we're just talking about sexual orientation here. If you're trans, for example, your rights are even murkier state to state.
1: Jobs, they're everything. They're how we pay our bills, put a roof over our heads. And for a lot of us, jobs give our lives meaning and purpose.
0: So today, we're launching a project we're calling Out at Work. We're going to be telling stories about real people and how being queer affects their jobs.
1: And we're starting with a guy in North Carolina named Lonnie Billard. Beep.
0: We sent Nancy producer Matt Colette down there to meet him. Hello.
3: Hello there. How are you? You must be the radio guy. I'm Lonnie. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much Come for in. having me. Come here, Come, Come in. Come in. Come in. Lonnie is 70 and lives on a quiet suburban street on the edge of Charlotte. He taught English and drama at Charlotte Catholic High School for 12 years, then retired, but basically kept working full-time as the school's go-to sub. This whole time, how, what degree are you out in any way at work?
5: Well, I, I think you have to break that down in two ways. Um, first of all, uh, with the students, you know, I never discussed my, my living arrangements I never discussed a gay way of life. Um, I, I didn't think that that was my role. As far as this, uh, the people I worked with, yeah, you know, Rich was my partner. Yeah, you know, the principal actually would ask, you know, be, be sure and bring your friend? You know, not sure what word to use at that point. You know, and I finally said, "You mean my partner?" He said, "Well, I didn't know if I could say that." You know, that thing. You know, yeah. Um, I would get questions like, um, what are you guys doing for the holidays? Are you guys going on vacation? You know, What is Rich
3: up to? Uh, does he like his new job? And that's more or less how things went, at least until the fall of 2014.
2: And just after 5 o'clock this evening, a federal judge in Asheville ruled Amendment 1, which defines marriage in North Carolina as a union between one man and one woman is unconstitutional.
3: Needless to say, no matter where you stand on this issue, this could go down in history as the most significant federal court ruling in North Carolina in a generation.
5: When, when the marriage ban was, was repealed, he and I were actually sitting out on the porch and talking about it, and we thought, you know what, we can do this, <laughs> and we decided to do it. And I then posted on Facebook for my friends, uh, a silly little thing. There's an old song from from back in the sixties, going to the chapel, and you're. I posted it with that kind of thing. And we began the process of figuring out how to how to go put together a wedding.
3: This story isn't exactly married on Sunday, fired on Monday, but unfortunately it is pretty close. Because a couple weeks later, on Christmas Day actually, a coworker confides to Lonnie that she heard he wasn't being asked back to sub. So Lonnie sends a text to the assistant principal and asks, hey, what's going on? And he called and told me that
5: um, I would, would, because of my Facebook post, um, that I would not be allowed to come back. Uh, he said he was sorry. He said it was not his decision, that the decision had come from uptown, meaning that uh, uptown is where the diocese headquarters is. And that was that. I'm a teacher. And to not be able to teach for a reason that has nothing to do with my ability to teach has nothing to do with my ability to connect with students, to make a difference in those students' lives. To be be shut out of your identity is devastating. It's more hurtful than when in the past I've been called a faggot. That hurts. But basically, that pisses you off. This was my worth. This is who I am. It is how I see myself. And to to be denied that for a totally arbitrary reason was just
3: devastating to me. Charlotte Catholic High School referred me to the diocese, but they haven't returned my request for comment. But when the story first broke, here's what their spokesman David Haynes told local media.
4: Well, the Catholic Church opposes um, same-sex unions. Marriage can only be between one man and one woman. He's not being picked on because he's gay. He lost his job as a substitute teacher because he broke a promise, because he chose to oppose church teaching, something he promised
3: he would not do. There was a clause in Lonnie's contract that says teachers have to live in accordance with, quote, the tenets and morals of the Catholic Church. And Lonnie signed it. But his lawyers at the ACLU told me they think it shouldn't matter that Lonnie signed something like that. They argue that your employer shouldn't be allowed to ask that of you in the first place. And they're like, if everyone knew Lonnie was gay the whole time, why didn't they do anything about it until he said he was getting married?
1: Okay, so lawyers are involved. What happens now?
3: So the ACLU sued the Catholic Church in Charlotte under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which says you can't be fired on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. That's the part Jeff Sessions has said shouldn't apply to gay
0: people. And what it all comes down to is one word.
1: Sex. That's coming up in a minute. You're listening to Nancy.
0: Kathy, I want to tell you about one of my actual favorite podcasts, Las Culturistas.
1: You talk about that show all the time.
0: Yeah, it's like hanging out with your smartest, funnest, most pop culture-savvy friends. It's hosted by Bowen Yang, you might know him from SNL or Nora from Queens, and Matt Rogers of Game Show and our cartoon president.
1: Love them.
0: Each week, they interview an amazing guest about the pop culture that shaped their life, and they do this hilarious thing where you can rant about a piece of culture that frustrates you— Mine would be speaking only roles in musicals.
1: (laughs) Okay, episodes are released every Wednesday. Listen and subscribe to Lost Culturistas on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Nancy, listeners, we want to hear from you. How
4: out are you at work? Wow, I'm way out. <laughs> if I was any more out, I'd be falling off the ledge of our high-rise building there.
0: This is a trans woman named Paige Jula, who Matt met in Charlotte. She runs trainings called Trans 101 at her job at Bank of America's corporate office. She says those have totally changed how she interacts with her co-workers. I'm
4: naturally introverted, so it's a little disconcerting for me to some extent. But it's actually been a boon to my career. You know, I've had opportunities to meet you know, people are pretty high levels in the bank that I would have never had that opportunity to meet had I just been, you know, keep your head down, do your work and not be out.
1: So we want you to tell us about your experience. To what degree are you out at work? How do you figure out who to tell? Go to nancypodcast.org slash work and fill out our short survey. We'll share what we learn in a future episode of our Out at Work series.
0: That's nancypodcast.org slash work.
1: And we're back, talking about Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act.
0: Well, specifically one word in Title Seven, sex.
1: So much of this mess depends on that one little word. Take the story of Donald Zarda.
0: He was a skydiving instructor for a company in Long Island, and back in 2010, he was called into a meeting with his boss, Ray Maynard. <laughs>
2: after a week of me thinking about the entire
5: situation.
0: This is tape from their meeting that Don secretly recorded. The situation was that Don had been suspended following a jump he had taken with a straight couple. Don was assigned to be the instructor for the girl and the couple, which meant they were strapped together. It seemed like the whole thing went fine, but they later called the company to complain. Don gets suspended and then comes this meeting. I'm
4: going to let you go because it just isn't working. Well, it's not
0: working, Ray. It's not working. Well, what is it?
4: That's all I have to say.
0: They keep going back and forth, Don asking what Ray means, Ray gets evasive. Eventually, Don gets the message. He's getting fired. And of course, his next question is, why?
2: Ray, you haven't told me what I've been accused of. Or what it's just they not,
0: accuse let me just put this way, it's not working. That's all I'm going to say. It's not working for me, for you to be here. Ray finally admits that the reason Don's getting fired is because of something he said to the girl before they jumped. You put your head on her shoulder, whispering in her ear, and talking about, don't worry about me, I'm gay, under canopy, and everything else. This is actually something Don used to say to his female clients all the time. Like, hey, don't worry, I'm gay, don't feel awkward that we're strapped together. But Ray just isn't having it. He shuts down the conversation, won't say anymore. Don's been fired, end of discussion. I talked to Ray's lawyer, Saul Zabel, and he told me that he agrees that employers shouldn't be able to fire anyone just because they're gay. But Saul argued that's just not what happened here. He says Don was out at work. He introduced himself at his interview as, quote, gay Don. And he also says that the female client's complaints were about the way Don interacted with her, his jokiness, the way he physically touched her. So while he may believe that there needs to be protections in the workplace for gay workers, He says the facts of this case are just too murky. Did he talk to you after he was fired from Altitude Express?
2: Oh, yeah. Usually late at night (laughs) for, like, several hours. (laughs) No, no, he was really upset. He was very, very upset.
0: This is Kim Zarda.
2: Don was my little brother.
0: Kim says Don took his job very seriously. He loved skydiving, and he respected what it meant to have someone else's life in his hands.
2: You know, taking a person on a tandem jump is intimate. You're strapped very tightly to them. And not only that, but like the, you know, the whole time, if you have a good tandem master... You know, they're constantly checking your straps, and my brother was no exception to that. Acceptable was never enough for him.
0: Which is why Don was so frustrated with what happened.
2: You know, he just wanted to, like, set her mind at ease. That's when he made the comment, um, you know, don't worry about him, he's gay. To me, that demonstrates a great act of, of, like, compassion.
0: So Don decided to sue, and his case has spent the last couple years making its way through the court. Now it's at the Second Circuit, which covers New York, Vermont, and Connecticut. Some people think that it could even make it all the way to the Supreme Court. But if it does, it will be without Don.
2: It was a difficult jump. I think he impacted for, I think it was like 4.5 seconds after he exited. And um, that's,
0: that's about it. <laughs> he died in a solo base jump.
2: yeah. His The official day that he passed was October 4th of, of um, 2014. Yeah, I'll never forget that day. <laughs> if this case is something that could set a precedent, you know, or at least put a big dent in that for, like, anybody that's in that situation, then that, you know, then I think that, that would be his ultimate for that, you know?
0: Don's job was on Long Island, meaning he was covered by New York state law. And New York has protections for gay people if they're fired for being gay. But the case wasn't successful at the state level. It wound up getting bumped up to the federal court. And that's where it's gaining traction now. And it all comes down to Title VII.
4: What is Title VII? Uh, Not a question that you can answer easily, actually.
0: This is Mark Joseph Stern. I cover the law and LGBTQ issues for Slate. And he says to understand Title VII and why it could be so important for LGBT folks, you have to go back to 1964, back to when Congress was drafting the Civil Rights Act. It was meant to take on several big problems, one of the biggest being racial discrimination in the workplace.
4: This was the result of the civil rights movement. And Lyndon Johnson, the president at the time, wanted this to be part of his legacy, that he would protect uh, black Americans in the workplace.
0: So while Congress is drafting up the law, making sure to include wording about how you can't discriminate based on race or color, suddenly these white feminist groups are like, hold up.
4: Listen, if this bill passes, uh, then black women will enjoy more protection in the workplace by virtue of their race uh, than white women will. Uh, And also, of course, black men uh, will receive more protection in the workplace than white women.
0: So in the 11th hour... Congress adds an additional word to Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act to make them happy. And that word, for our purposes, ends up being kind of crucial.
4: What it says is that no employer uh, can mistreat, fire, refuse to hire, discriminate against an employee on the basis of uh, a few different characteristics, uh, including race, color, uh, and sex. So now women were able
0: to bring cases of workplace discrimination under Title Seven. Like if a woman couldn't get hired for a job because she had kids, Title VII says not okay. Or if a woman gets demoted for taking maternity leave, Title VII says no. And then in 1982 comes kind of a game changer case.
3: Price Waterhouse versus Ann B. Hopkins. Ann B. Hopkins.
0: 1982. Ann Hopkins, an employee at Price Waterhouse, is up for partner, but she gets denied. Even
4: though by all accounts she'd secured like a twenty-five million dollar government contract. She really should have been partner, but she was not made partner. And the reason why was that apparently her superiors found her to be overly masculine. Price and water would consider her better if she had a hair done. She was perceived to be, we'd say today, too butch. Uh, And she was told that to fix this problem... There is that comment about dressing uh, more femininely, walking more femininely, talking more femininely. ...wear makeup, have her hair styled, and wear jewelry.
0: The court finds in her favor, and in their decision, they introduce a whole new concept to Title VII. Sex stereotyping.
1: Yep, I remember this from law school. That whole expecting men and women to act a certain way because of their gender.
0: Kathy, too, in-house attorney.
1: Nope, nope, not a lawyer, just went to law school. Anyway, after the Hopkins
0: case, the Supreme Court
1: says, hey,
0: not okay, and Title VII says so. And then LGBT activists are suddenly like, hey...
4: Wait a minute. If that applies to a straight woman, then it seems that if an employer discriminates against a lesbian for being overly butch, uh, you know, overly masculine, quote unquote, uh, that that is exactly the kind of discrimination that Ann Hopkins suffered. And so she, too, should be allowed to bring a claim under Title VII.
0: Which you would think would be a big moment for queer rights. But... There's a catch.
4: You have this weird period following Price Waterhouse where the courts say, uh, yes, if an effeminate gay man is discriminated against or a butch lesbian is discriminated against in the workplace, uh, then they can sue under Title VII because that is sex stereotyping. But if a masculine gay man or a feminine lesbian uh, is discriminated against in the workplace, they cannot sue – under Title VII, uh, because they have not suffered from sex stereotyping. They are not like Anne Hopkins.
0: So this is the limbo LGBT folks are in right now. The word sex in Title VII, it only goes so far. Mark says that for trans folks, lower courts seem to be willing to recognize that discriminating against a trans person is sex stereotyping, but that's still not explicit protection. So what we're waiting around for is another case that could allow the Supreme Court to say, yes, the word sex in Title VII is also meant to protect LGBT folks. And at least for gay people, that's where Don Zarda, the skydiver, comes in. His lawyers are arguing that discrimination based on sexual orientation is discrimination based on sex, no matter if you're masculine or feminine acting or whatever. Under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, it's illegal.
1: Wait, Matt. Yeah, Kathy? What happened to Lonnie, the teacher?
3: Well, after the Facebook post and the firing and all that, he got married. It it was a beautiful day. It was a small wedding.
5: We had it at a a public park that has a wedding arbor on
3: the point of a lake. Lonnie's son officiated. He and Rich were joined by family, friends, and a bunch of Lonnie's old co-workers. A lot of my teacher buddies,
5: administration, (laughs) even though I was fired, but they still came to my wedding, and that was really cool.
1: We're going to keep exploring these topics through our Out at Work reporting. And we want to hear how you balance all this. Take our survey at nancypodcast.org slash work. Special thanks to our colleagues at the top of today's episode. Amber Hall, Nancy Solomon, Kai Wright, Ellie Pinnell, and friend of the show, David Gable.
0: Social media, you know the drill. You can find us on all the things. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're at Nancy Podcast. Credits. Producer. Matt Collette. Sound designer.
1: Jeremy Bloom. Editor. Jenny Lawton. Intern. Caleb Cotting.
0: Executive producer.
1: Paula Schumann.
0: I'm Tobin Lowe.
1: I'm Kathy Too.
0: And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. I feel like I said kid. <laughs> the kid make it all the way to the Supreme Court. What's that about?